0: Alright, how many of you guys enjoy that video? Yeah! It's our first uh, end of the year video, and all the people involved with media, thank you for capturing all the footage and videos, and a big thank you to Matthew Coe for uh, putting together uh, that little yearbook, just kind of gives us a glimpse of uh, all the wonderful things that God has done in 2012, uh, it's been an awesome year of increase. Uh today over at Hillside, I did a little bit of an executive summary with PowerPoint slides. Uh, I don't like repeating myself, so if you want it, just go listen to the Hillside MP3, all right? <laughs> because what ended up happening was I ended up sharing a little bit about this past week's of ministry. I actually got to go down to Tejon and minister to a bunch of uh, uh, youth that are in prison. So I got my first prison ministry under my belt. Yeah, but uh, these kids, you know, they, they stole candy or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, you know, they weren't like like big bad prison prisoners, like big bad criminals. But um, uh, we went down there. We ministered to these youth. Uh, Pastor Melga translated for me, and it was a, it was a powerful time. Uh, it's with a ministry called Vision Station Ministry. You know, I think it's something that as a relationship will probably continue to nurture and form. And then uh, I also ended up sharing about what we did this weekend because uh, I grabbed the uh, the Mitchells and. Our new intern pastor, Gina, along with uh, David and Emily, our current intern pastors. And we went with Pastor Aaron and I. We, went, we were invited to speak at a youth retreat down in Hallelujah Church. Uh, they have uh, about 30 kids that were gathered as uh, English ministry youth uh, there. And we, we got to minister for the retreat, and it was also very powerful. So I was kind of sharing some stories from the retreat, and I ended up taking like almost 20 minutes of my time just on the intro. <laughs> and so uh, I didn't get to preach the bulk of my message. And so, I'm not going to repeat myself. So, you guys can go ahead and listen to that. That'll be part one. And then, all I'm going to do is read, uh, preach the rest of the message here, part two. All right? So, I see some of the Auss- Aussies here. They-, they wanted part two. So, they're here. You get part two, all right? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, I want to begin um, by sharing... The theme of the new year. Alright, so this was uh this is really tough for me to to share with you. But it's, it's, it's not easy delivering the word of God sometimes. But this is the message that God's put on our hearts. So 2013 is gonna be the year of persecution. <laughs> Joanne, why'd you mess me up? Why'd you start laughing? I don't know why you were laughing, but you made me laugh. Anyway, I was trying to keep a serious face. The year of persecution, but uh, and uh, no. The Bible says, "Blessed are the persecuted." Persecution's not that bad, by the way, in all its various forms. All right, you're blessed when you're persecuted. All right, man, it's not the year of persecution. Don't worry, man. I wish that God would just give me one year of persecution because, man, it's been like years, like a season, a decade of persecution. Anyway, um, now persecution, uh, we the biblical teaching is we ought to expect persecution uh, along with the blessings and joys. Uh, Jesus also said along with them, persecutions with eternal life comes persecutions. And, uh, you know, we suffer uh, along with Christ and we share in his afflictions uh, to share in his glory. Right. And so. That's all biblical teaching, but uh, let me share with you what the real theme of the new year is. Turn to Second Timothy three sixteen. Second Timothy three sixteen. Hey can you grab my glasses? Second Timothy three sixteen. I'm gonna read it in the ESV. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The theme of the year is the year of correction. Okay, I'm I'm kidding again. I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. I had to do it. All right. So if you look here, it says all scripture is breathed out by God. It's breathed out by God. Now, the Greek word here in the New King James Version is translated, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So there's a little interpretation the New King James does for us. Because that the word the Greek word is theopineustos. Coming from two Greek words, theo meaning God, and pineo meaning I breathe. You put those words together and you have Literally, God breathed. What does it mean for something to be God breathed? Well, the New King James uh, translators interpret it as inspiration. All scripture is inspired by God. Right? And so, it's a, it's a, if this is the way that we have gotten the Word of God, it's a powerful thing when you are able to be inspired by God. All right, let me get to it right there. It's the year of inspiration. That's the theme of the year. That's the theme of the year. Uh, Now, I would say, I would like to say, this is one theme that I I feel like I'm the most, uh, maybe a little, uh, I'm most unfamiliar with out of all the themes we've had in the past. We have the year of new things, open doors, epic faith, The year of intimacy, year of increase, and God's now led us to the year of inspiration, all right? I didn't plan on going I, I, I. It just happened that way. It was easy to remember, right? Intimacy, increase, inspiration. Now, I believe that God has a very particular order in which he did this, and he revealed it this way. I checked it with Pastor Benjamin. He got a real good witness in his spirit about it. It was back in October. And so I've been really thinking about it, and through out the months of November and December, God really has confirmed it that this is what he's highlighting at this season for our church, because our church has gone from a Davidic season of warfare, and by nature, our church is a church full of mighty warriors. We're an army. But what was interesting is, in April of 2012, Pastor Benjamin prophesied over us that for our lineage, God has taken us from the Davidic season of warfare and saying, "Your warfare has ended. Your warfare has been completed." I'm giving you now peace all around. You are now entering into the Solomonic season, the season of Solomon. Now Solomon was not a man of warfare like his father David. Solomon was a man of peace. During, out, during, throughout his uh, rule, there was peace in the land all around. And the, the God had to supernaturally give Solomon peace so that Solomon could focus on building the temple of the Lord. Because up until that point, you had the tabernacle of God and the Ark of the Covenant, but you did not have a temple. Now, like bottom line, God didn't really need a temple, but it was, a, it was symb- a symbolic for what he was going to do in the New Testament. It was a shadow of what was to come. Anyway, uh, so God gave Solomon peace all around, and he was able to focus on building. And so God is also, in 2012, he's given us peace all around. And so we've been trying to focus on building. What has God called our house to build? In terms of our local community here, what are we building? And individuals in our community, what is God calling you to build? Is it a business? Is it an NGO? You know? What is God uh, uh, calling us to build? And one thing I noticed about building is... Hey, you got to turn that, this one off. You got to turn that, turn the switcher, turn that one on, turn this one off. <clears> throat> My throat's getting all dried out. My voice is going to start cracking a lot more. I don't want that. <laughs> you don't want that either. <laughs> Thing about building is I noticed that if you really want to build and build something awesome, build something powerful, you got to be creative. You have to think outside the box. You can't just repeat what somebody's already done. You got to take it and make it better. It's got to be renewed. You know what I mean? Like, the reason why Opa Gangnam Style blew up, because it was unique. There was nothing else like it before. And it was just, you know, there was like a collision of, it was right timing and right things, and there's Korean, uh, what do they call it? Hollywood or? Are you? Hallyu. Hi. Hallyu. Hi. Hallyu. What does that mean? Uh... Yeah, but it's the Korean wave. You know, everything kind of matched up. And Oppa Kangnam kind of blew up. You know, but that's because he also, Sai also offers something very unique. You know, if you want the next big record, you can't just copy Diana Ross. You can't just copy Jay-Z. You know, you got to offer something fresh. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Now, I know that Korea as a nation has a reputation for copying rather than creating. But that's not because Koreans aren't creative. Uh, But I do notice that the education system here is so work-oriented, it's so much about work harder rather than work smarter, it does stifle creativity. And I think there's a lot more creativity among uh, Korean youth and within the Korean uh, people, but the culture, the Confucian culture really sets it up in a way where it stifles creativity. Now, what I want to talk about that I didn't talk about at Hillside is the rest of my message. What are the things that stifles inspiration and kills creativity? Okay, that's what I want to talk about. And so let's, let's do that. All right. Um, let's look at Exodus chapter 35. Look at Exodus chapter 35. Everyone turn to Exodus 35. Inspiration. The year of inspiration. (laughs) Exodus 35. Let's look at this. We're going to read from verse 30, and I'm going to read up to I'm just going to read up to verse 34, all right? 30 to 34. Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Ur of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled them with the spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood, And for work in every skilled craft. And he has inspired him. To teach. Both him and Oholiab. The son of Ahisamach. Of the tribe of Dan. He has filled him. He has filled them with skill. Okay I'm going to stop there. You know the first instance. In the Bible. Where a person is filled with the spirit of God. Is actually. This gentleman we just talked about, Bezalel. Everyone say Bezalel. Bezalel. It wasn't King David. It was this guy, Bezalel. Bezalel, the Bible says, is filled with the Spirit of God. And and that way it talks about I I didn't do my research, but Jason Ma taught this. So if Jason Ma is wrong, then it's not not my fault. I'm just quoting Jason Ma. (laughs) Anyway. In Exodus 31, there's a very similar passage talking about Bezalel, how he gets filled with the Spirit of God. And he gets filled with the Spirit of God not to preach. He gets filled with the Spirit of God in order to do art. In order to to build a tabernacle. In order to decorate the Ark of the Covenant. In order to have skills in wood carving. What? You know, when's the last time somebody said, I got filled with the spirit of God. And I just started carving some wood. Man, you don't know, man. You see this right here? That was all me in my quiet time. The spirit of God just came on me. I just started seeing grapes and I just started carving grapes. Like, when's the last time you heard that? We don't really think, we don't really make that connection. But what the Bible trying to show us is. This guy, Bezalel, the only reason why he was able to execute God's instructions about building the ark and the, and the tabernacle, according to the exact specifications God had on his heart, was because he got filled with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God did not control him like a robot, and he started carving wood. The Bible says he got filled with the Spirit of God, and he also came, came with the filling came skill, came understanding. Uh, knowledge here it can be also translated understand intelligence intelligence with knowledge with all craftsmanship so bezalel went from oh uh how am i supposed to help you out moses is moses like just come over here and the spirit of god is going to fall upon you bezalel and you will learn how to carve wood you will learn how to work with gold and silver and bezalel was like all right i'm ready and the Spirit of God comes upon him. And we don't know if he spoke in tongues or, you know, he started shaking on the ground. We don't know. We don't, we don't get a recognition. All, right? so we, all we know is he got filled with the Spirit of God. And after he got filled, there were all these skills at his disposal. All this great creativity. Now, I want to make a connection today that the reason why when you get filled with the Spirit of God, there's an explosion of skill and creativity and inspiration is because the Spirit of God is the Creator God. And the Creator, if you didn't know, is the most creative being in the whole universe. And if the most creative being in the whole universe is actually living inside of you, He can dispense to you and, and give you an anointing for almost any skill in art, in technology, you know, interesting story. I've told this story before. George Washington Carver. You know, I learned this in the city of Philadelphia. Every time February came around, man, we celebrated Black History Month. <laughs> you know? And so I learned a lot about uh, African-American uh, history. And George Washington Carver, really interesting story. Later on, what I found out about him was he took peanuts and he patented. Actually, he didn't patent he came up with like thousands of uses of the peanut. And at that time, America was having uh, trouble with either a corn crop or a cotton crop, so their main crop was drying up. And so they were having an economic crisis, and George Washington Carver took peanuts and came up with so many uses that it helped America's economy from going into a recession. And... When they asked him, why don't you patent all these thousands of uses of the peanut? He came up with, you can use peanuts for like nail polish, peanuts for like shampoo, peanuts for soap, peanuts, peanut butter came out of, I'm pretty sure, George Washington Carver. Um, Anyway, thousands of uses. They were like, why don't you patent any of these things? He said, well, how can I patent? I got it from God. George Washington admitted that he got inspired by God. Here is a man. He gets filled with the spirit of God, and he comes up with, like, thousands of uses for the peanut. That's awesome. That's like a little story that you don't really hear about all the time. He went on, actually, to do, some, do the same thing for another product. I forget which one. But anyway, it, it brought breakthroughs for textile industry and all these things because he came up with all these uses. So he, he refused to patent stuff because he said that he got it for free from God. Why should I, pay, why should I make someone pay for it? That's pretty cool, huh? We never make these connections. But what I'm trying to say to you today is God is the God who inspires. He is the God who empowers us with anointing for every work he calls us to do. You know, a lot of times our humanistic approach is, God, tell me what you call me to do. Just tell me, Lord, reveal it to me. What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to marry? I'll execute it with excellence. I'll do it with precision. Just tell me what. What? Little knowing that with the call of God to do something, you also need an anointing of the Holy Spirit to do it and do it well. Not to just do it like a nine to five job, but to do it with a prophetic edge, to do it with a supernatural ability. That all comes by the spirit of God. And so as we enter the new year as a house together, as a covenant community. I believe it's going to be really important that we continue to make the connection that the more we are filled with the spirit of God and we continue to be filled with the spirit of God, there should be creativity flowing out of us like a river. You know, people might be like, well, you know, you know, I want to open up uh, an international school. All right. You want to open up an international school? What you got? Well, I'm going to just do it just like uh, they've done down the street at SFS. All right. Hey, SFS worked, you know, 50 years ago when they started. But if you try to do it the same way today, it may not work. Where's where the, uh, where the inspiration? What is something new and unique that you're contributing to the international school community? Well, I just want to, you know, I just want to make a lot of money and use it for missions. No, just because you have the intention to make a lot of money and use it for mission. And God, I'm not going to bless it just because you have that heart. There's plenty of people, man. They were like, yeah, I'm going to be a millionaire and I to support your ministry. I remember when I was Campus Crusade, I was like, hey, man, hey man can, you, can you guys support me? Even like $20 a month, $30 a month, can you, can you support me? They're like, I can't support you. But don't worry, man. I'm going to be a millionaire in about a few years. I will support you all, with all the money in the world. I never got a phone call back from them. And, and the economic crisis hit right after that anyway. 2008, they all lost their jobs, you know. I, mean, I went to NYU Stern, so a lot of my friends, I mean, they were making a lot of money. Um, but then a lot of them got fired as well or laid off shortly thereafter with the economic crisis in 2000, uh, around 2001 and then 2008. I mean, those are some huge recessions we hit. A lot of people got laid off. Anyway, I want to talk about that. I mean, God's a God of inspiration and we are hitting a year of inspiration. Let's talk about what kills inspiration. Three things that kills inspiration. How much time I got? 20 minutes. I don't got no clock up here. Alright, three things. Number one, critical spirit. A critical spirit kills inspiration. Oh, the title of this message is how to nurture, how to cultivate a I'll come up with a title later. <laughs> <clears throat> I had it in my head, I just forgot. Critical spirit kills inspiration. Um, A lot of people have a misconception that great ideas are just born. You know, one day you didn't have an idea and one day you got an idea and it just blew up and Facebook became a billionaire. But if you look at really a lot of the inside stories, great ideas are not born, but they're bred. They come through a process of development and maturity. So This is one of the hardest things for me personally to apply. By nature, my personality is uh, if we were at a shooting range, okay, the melancholy, if they had an hour at the shooting range, they would never sh- shoot a single bullet. They would be aiming the entire time. The phlegmatic will be over there getting a soda or something like that. <laughs> the sanguine will be talking to other people about how to use their gun, but the choleric, my personality type is I will shoot, 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 and then start aiming. You know what I mean? That's, that's my personality. And so <clears throat> what, what happens is in our staff or even at our church, people have amazing ideas. But they're not amazing when they're first spoken out. In fact, it sounds like foolishness to me. And so I feel like my job is to shoot down all the foolish ideas so that we can find the good ones, right? That's, I think that's my job. And so what happens a lot is even at staff meetings, you know, I'll be like, anyone, anyone, take initiative. Come on, say something. You know, give us some fresh ideas. People are like, what about this? I'm going to nod, the budget for that and the building for this ain't going to work. How about someone else? And everyone's all like, oh, I don't want to say anything now. You know, know? and even uh, Pastor Aaron, you know, because she's not scared of me, right? Not that people are scared of me, but uh, (laughs) Pastor Aaron's like, well, what about this idea? And I'll, I'll shoot her idea down, too. And then they'll be like, well, if Pastor Christian's gonna shoot down his own wife's idea, well, I'm not even gonna <laughs> s- speak out about mine. And I'm just shooting ideas down. And one thing that I learned from a book that Marcus Pastor Marcus and Aaron are reading, is that in order to nurture creativity and inspiration, you have to allow time for an idea to develop. Good ideas aren't born great. They gotta develop and mature, right? And so they gave me this uh, teaching called, Ideate First, Edit Later. Did I get that right? Ideate first, come up with ideas first, edit later. It's the hardest thing for me to apply. (laughs) Okay, and so we had our staff retreat in December. And so they made us, uh, they gave us limited resources. By the way, limited resources actually inspires more creativity. When you have too many resources, people are like, oh, I don't know what to do, yeah. right? But if you look at these reality shows, people come up with the darnest thing on these shows, whether it's the cooking shows or the home improvement shows or even like uh, we saw a songwriting show. Uh, they have limited resources, limited time, and that actually caused them to be more resourceful and think outside the box. Anyway, so they gave us like some materials, like it was like a like a Ziploc bag and there were like four sets of Ziploc bags and each team got like three items in the Ziploc bag and they were like, here you go. Each team, you take your Ziploc bag. You got eight minutes to come up with an idea of how to use the items in your bag to evangelize for friendship Sunday, like how to get people to go to friendship Sunday or to evangelize to them using the items in the bag, something like that. And so Our team, we got, what was it, like a fork, a spoon. We got a spoon. We got a spoon, little spoon, and then a hairpin, and a quarter. And so we opened it up, and we looked at it, and we're like, yeah, let's do this. Come on, creativity, yeah. But then one thing that Pastor Marcus taught us before we got into our groups was, you got to let people voice their ideas. Don't shoot them down. so we get into the group and it was like Cassandra and uh, Sole and somebody else right? Rona oh Rona yeah so we get into the group and we're like so what should we do what should we do and it's like well Rona's like well what about this with the quarter we can say this and that and this and I was like just want to shoot that idea down But I kept my mouth shut. In fact, I think for like the first like four minutes of our group time, I didn't say a single word. So they thought there was something wrong with me. But that was me just like resisting. It took so much energy for me to resist that I couldn't think. I couldn't think creatively. <laughs> it was weird. Anyway, eventually, uh, I think I contributed a little thing, and then Cassandra says something on top of that. So That's like, what about this? And so she was like, well, we can uh, go up to the person and have them look at the spoon from the back, and then it, it gives you an inverted image, an upside-down image of yourself. And they say, well, this is you uh, without... Uh, uh, this is you, okay? <laughs> and then what we do is we take the hairpin and we put it on the spoon and say, but by the cross of Jesus Christ, he turns your life... And we turn the spoon around upside down or right side up. And then you get a a right proper image on the other side of the spoon. And then we take out the quarter. And then we say, in Christ, there is true liberty. Because on the quarter, it actually says the word liberty. And I told them to add, in God we trust, but they forgot that part. (laughs) Something like that, right? Anyway, like... And it was pretty cool for like eight minutes of just, you know, brainstorming. We came up with that. And we we're so excited. We we're like, yeah, our church is going to be full of creativity. <laughs> and then we, we went on with like a couple other activities uh, that night and the next day. And like we were starting to get a little discouraged and frustrated with each other because <laughs> the challenges were getting harder and harder. And uh, the harder it got and the less time they gave us, the more urgent we felt we had to shoot down bad ideas but you know like man it was tough it was tough so that was one lesson that i just feel like god is really teaching me right now i just feel like inside of you new philly there are remarkable amazing ideas amazing ministries amazing businesses Amazing technology that God has called you to steward and to bring forth. And if only your pastor will keep his mouth shut, there might be a chance that it will actually come out, be shared, and then others can contribute into it. And eventually you have not just a good idea, but a great idea, a great concept. So one thing that Pastor Marcus also shared was when you collaborate, when you work in a team environment, you're able to produce something far more amazing than if you just work on it separately by yourselves. And so this is the concept of synergy. One plus one equals three. Like I can do something by myself. You can do something by yourself. But we bring our resources together and learn to be patient and learn to respect each other and learn to bring out the best out of each other, we can actually have a synergistic effect where there's a lot more fruit that comes out rather than if we just worked on it independently apart. And so a critical spirit kills inspiration, and the way that we need to respond is to nurture ideas, nurture and make sure they're, they're not completely foolish, right? They got to be somewhat good, right? Anyway, nurture and wait. That's the big thing. That's the big word that God's put on my heart for the year of inspiration <laughs> is to wait. Wait upon the Lord. Wait. And so for the last four or five years, you know, I can say that uh, a lot of things uh, I have like a particular gifting. I have a particular strength and that's the command strength. I, I like to like delegate and command people to do things. And people think that I'm just offensive, but you know, it's, I think it's part of my natural gifting. But I also have an activator gift. If you take the strength finders test, you know what I'm talking about. And I activate things. I get things started. But one thing I notice again and again throughout my entire life is I'm good at getting things started, but I'm not that great at like maintaining or taking things that have already started and taking them to new levels. That's why I need maximizers—people with a maximizing gift in the house. People like Myungwa, people, like, people like Pastor Aaron, and I also need ideation gift people like Brian. Even though some of his like trivia is like mad annoying, like, I don't know why you need all, need to know all that stuff. <laughs> but you know, he's very resourceful because he, you know, he just he reads up on all these different things. And one day it does come in handy. You know? Like we need some like ideation type of people, people with ideas, like Brian and Pastor Marcus. You know, and then if we would learn to work together and collaborate, we can start some cool things and then take it to whole new levels. So I think that's where our church is right here. That's where we're at right now. That's the season we're in. We're in a season of building. Right? We've already got things started. We've already laid down good foundations. Like in the past, guest speakers will come and say, God is laying down your roots. You know, be patient. God is laying down your foundation. And I was like, Yeah, foundation, foundation. It's like when are we going to be able to build? And then finally, God says, yeah, It's time to build. And I'm like, Alright. Let's just keep doing the same thing we've been doing the past season. God's like, No, that's not the way you build. Yeah. To build up, you need inspiration. Working harder is not going to help you in this season. It's working smarter. It's being inspired with fresh creativity anointing from heaven. And so um, this is a real tough one. Wait, because critical spirit kills inspiration. I need to really learn how to keep my mouth shut. And that's advice for all of you. If you're in a managerial position, stop shutting down all of your uh, employees. Maybe they have a great idea there somewhere. If you would stop shooting them down, you know, it's like a bad parent, man, you know, there might be a Wayne Gretzky, like, you know, in your family, but if you just being critical to your son when he's playing hockey, cause he, you know, he's making a few mistakes that Wayne Gretzky's never going to become a Wayne Gretzky. Because by the way, Wayne Gretzky and Michael Jordan weren't born like, you know, sh- shooting three pointers. They were born good, but they needed to be developed to become great. You know, I remember, man, man, let me tell you, man, back in high school, I remember people were like geniuses. In my computer science class, there was this guy named Peter Finan, right? I I don't think I'll ever meet him again, so I'm just going to say his name out there. (laughs) Peter Finan, he was a genius. I been like, we were making, like, chess computer programs in um, Pascal computer language. We're building it from scratch. It's not that hard. And so we built it, and he he was, like, coming up with all these, like, crazy like concepts and and problem solving skills, and we just tell him and he'll know it instantly. We're like, you're a genius. <laughs> but he was also like lazy. So that a lot of teachers were like, Peter, you gotta do something with your life. You gotta take care of some of these habits, or or you're gonna go nowhere. You know? You know people like that. And how many Michael Jordans never make it to the NBA? Because they play video games too too much. They playing NBA on PS3. <laughs> So much that they never develop their amazing gifts. Anyway, let's go to the second one. Religious spirit kills inspiration. Nothing kills inspiration more than an environment that is stuck on tradition, methods, and the old way of doing things. This is just the way we've done things. This is the status quo. But the Bible says, what does the Bible say? The letter kills, the spirit gives life. You know, sometimes some fundamentalists, they take the Bible and they turn it into a letter. But this Bible, how was it inspired? It was God breathed. So the way that you are going to interpret the Bible in the most balanced way is to be led by the Spirit who breathed it out. The God who inspired, the Spirit of God who inspired it, he's the one who's going to help you to interpret it. For all its various uses. Because what does the Bible say? It's, it's useful for correcting, rebuking, uh, training in righteousness, and all these different purposes. But a lot of people, they take this thing and they turn it into a big old letter and they beat people over the head. <laughs> but the Bible says the letter kills. Yeah. The spirit gives life. Yeah. How do we deal with the religious spirit? Oh, oh, by the way, also a religious spirit in a, in a church where the religious spirit reigns, People go into autopilot mode. You ever go to churches where things are done so the same for so many years? People are just like autopilot. Like they're like lemmings. This is what we do. This is when we do the retreat. You know, So boring too. Why do you think our youth don't want to go to those churches? When I was a youth man, I wanted to just bounce peace out. At least youth group was somewhat fun. But like I remember... A lot of churches, man, they're just so the religious spirit. Now anyway, um, people going to autopilot. The way you respond to the religious spirit is you you renew. You gotta bring renewal. That's why when the Holy Spirit comes to a religious spirited church, there's a lot of renewal that happens. Okay. Uh, let me move on. Third is the witchcraft spirit kills inspiration. A witchcraft spirit. I'm not talking about just occultic witchcraft, hocus pocus. I'm talking about like uh, relational witchcraft, Christian witchcraft. Christian witchcraft is like when you use your gift of prophecy to manipulate people, control people. Witchcraft, when it comes down to it, the essence of witchcraft is control. Uh, Do you guys watch, um, what's that Scottish movie, the uh, animation? Brave, Brave. Brave, yeah. Uh, You want me to... Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Right, here comes the movie. <clears throat> in the movie, you know, the daughter... Hey, it's not that good anyway. Millie, don't worry about it. It's, just, it's not that good. Anyway. <clears throat> it was all right. Yeah, it's right. it like a C-plus movie. Anyway. Um, In in the movie, she she wants her way so much. She goes to see a witch in order to get her mom to... Uh, agree with what she wants, and she she doesn't want to get married, and she doesn't want to uh, be uh, arranged, get into arranged marriage. So she she gets this witch witch to do this witchcraft, and then you can watch the movie for what happens to the mom. Okay, but in real life, real occultic witchcraft practitioners—that's what they're in business for. When you come up to a witchcraft practitioner, you say they say, "What do you want?" Well, I I have this coworker. And I hate this person's guts. This person has undercut me. This person has deceived me, tricked me. I want this person to be cursed somehow so that I can get ahead. And then the witchcraft doctor will come up with some kind of spell or sorcery to try to manipulate and control the situation. Or, you know, people who fall in love, they'll be like, I'm lovesick over this person. Can you come up with a love potion? So that Chris Person will fall in love with me. You know? Something like that, right? And then the witchcraft practitioner like, comes up with something. And then, and then, you know, it either works or it doesn't. But sometimes those witchcraft practitioners have real power. Like a sorcery type of occultic demonic power to control and manipulate situations. The thing is, even though we don't go to witchcraft practitioners, in the church there's a lot of people who do that. Using charismatic gifts. And there's also a lot of Korean parents who do that with their children. You ever watch a Korean drama? Look, Every Korean drama could be properly titled The Witchcraft Spirit. <laughs> because when your son trying to marry a girl that you don't approve of, what does the mother do? <laughs> I'm sick. Sick. I did Oh, my son come over to my house? Look, I'm sick because of you. I can't eat. I'm, I'm going to die and all this stuff, you know. And then the son relents because he, doesn't, he feels so guilty that he's made his mom sick. Or do you remember um er yeah. Remember that? Yeah. And, uh, uh, Song seung Un and Song Ya-gyo, right? They were actually not blood brother and sister, but they thought they were blood, blood brother and sister, but they really weren't. Anyway, when they found out later in life that they weren't, they started falling in love with each other. So it's like incest, but it's not. <laughs> okay, you guys got me, right? Okay, anyway. What happens is Song Seung Leung was like engaged to be married to some other girl and then when he starts to fall in love with his, with his sister who's not really his sister because okay, there was a mix-up at the hospital. Make sure you watch your babies when, when they're born at the hospital. <laughs> you don't want no mix-up. This is like little kids playing in the, in the thing and then oh, it's actually Song Seung as a kid, he knocks down this little label and then he puts it and, put, and they put it in the wrong label. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> Anyway, he tries to break up the engagement with his fiance, and then the fiance, she cray cray, she witchcraft spirit. What does she do? Right, she goes to the beach and she like sets it up to so make sure that Song Seung find her, find her. And then the moment she sees him, she starts walking into the water. And she's like, I'm gonna let you And Song Seung like, 왜 그래, 하지 마. Where? if I can't have you I just want to die Man, that's like that's witchcraft it's all manipulate it's all control there's actually three words that I teach in this teaching on Christian witchcraft I got it from an old book by uh, Rick Godwin uh, there's three words this is the way you identify witchcraft in t- manipulation this is where you trick people to get to do what you want uh, there's Domination, that's where you, uh, uh, that's where you uh, kind of um, force people to do what you want. And then there's intimidation. That's the worst. That's where you scare people to do what you want. So if you go into the brothels, into the sex trade, you know that there's a lot of witchcraft. Because a lot of these pimps, they use all of these methods. Manipulation, domination, intimidation. These women are not physically trained, chained down a lot of times. But oftentimes, they'll stay with the pimp. Why? Because they're being controlled with the spirit of witchcraft from that pen. Anyway, a spirit of witchcraft kills inspiration because people, it causes fear. It, it keeps people from being themselves because they don't feel safe to be themselves. They can't really pursue the dreams of God for their lives because there's somebody trying to control them all the time. It, it really stifles in, inspiration. And... One is, if you are being controlled, you got to understand that God has not called you to live a life where you are being controlled by another person. You're not called to be controlled by your mother or father. You are not called to be controlled and manipulated by your boyfriend or girlfriend. You are to be led by the Spirit of God. Okay, um, <clears throat> So if you are actually suffering from witchcraft somebody's controlling you be sure to understand that you have the authority to break off those influences off your life god does not want you to continue in that cycle of being controlled now if you are the one who tends toward witchcraft types of behavior hey and come on we all do at some point a little bit like little ways we do right like like I'll confess. Like this morning, this morning I was with Matthew Koh He made the video. Man, I was like, I was, the video. I, I love the video. I mean, he worked so hard to get all those clips from the entire year, from all these different people. He had to hunt down all these people. It took like two weeks. It was a lot of work, a lot of time he had to put into it. I really, I'm really appreciative of that. But I didn't tell him any of that. I just went right in. I was like, man, I don't like this about the video. I don't like that about the video. And then this morning, like, you I didn't have much time. So I was just, like, barking orders. And I was just, like, like I realized I was using a little fear because he started, like, getting a little coward. He still looked like he was scared. And I was like, Lord, what am I doing? I'm about to preach on the year of inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, hey, hey, Matthew. Hey, man, it's a great video, by the way. All right? It's a great video. All right? You did a great job. Hey, hey. Thank you. I'll I, I try to make up for it some way, somehow. <laughs> I don't have much time, all right? I don't have a long... I can't do a long talk right there, you know? Anyway, I realized that if I want him to make the best video possible, I got to give him input, but I can't go up in there and try to control everything. If I If I try to control everything, he's not going to feel safe to express his creativity and put his input into the video. And he's not going to feel safe to get other people's input for the video. And therefore, the video just becomes the closest thing that they can get to what they think Pastor Christian wants. And a lot of times, that doesn't look very good. (laughs) And so, one way we uh, really avoid this is to empower and delegate. Empower and delegate. You can't just delegate, period. You got to empower you got to give them the resources, the training, so that they can succeed. And then you delegate it to them. All right? And so three things. Critical spirit, religious spirit, witchcraft spirit kills inspiration. How do we respond? We learn to nurture things, and we wait. Keep our mouth shut. Number two, we learn to renew. Rethink things. Revisit things. Number three, we learn to empower and delegate I think these are some really critical, practical things we can do as a church to cultivate a culture of inspiration at New Philly. You know, I was really proud of our dancers, our hip hop dancers at the Christmas service. Yeah. Man, I just felt like, man, we have the, more, our church has the most swagger in the city. Like, it was just like, yeah. this is awesome. Yeah, I danced just like them too, by the way. The lead pastor, we, I didn't. You know, that's what I wanted to say because I was just like so proud. I was so proud, you know, but I realized if we're going to keep on expressing worship and expressing ourselves with these different arts, we've got to nurture inspiration. We've got to nurture a a culture of inspiration. And for that to happen, we need to change our ways for us to take our church, which is right now good to take it to very good, to take it to great. We need to really rethink how we do, how we've been doing things. And we need to really start to think outside the box. And so I believe that uh, whether it's in photography, video, fine arts, performing arts, entertainment, dance, songwriting, entrepreneurship, business ventures, writing books, blogs. I mean, there's a lot of things that are happening right now. Things are getting stirred up. People are just starting. It's important right now that we really support them, give positive input. Give input at the right time and help to cultivate this inspiration. Because out of out of out of our church there's gonna come some incredible dancers, incredible artists, incredible bloggers. If you really think about it, why wouldn't there be? Why is it coming out of some suburb in Ohio? You know? Like, you ever look at the lives of some of these, like, super bloggers that have, like, blown up? Like, you're like, like where do they live? And they're, like, living in the middle of nowhere. Like, like what, what happened? Like, how did it, you know? You know? Or uh, what's that? The Eat Your Kimchi Canadian couple? I think they, they, like, they, like, blew up. Their video blogs blew up, and they got all this funding now. And I think they took a, a, a whole floor in Hongdae. They have like this office space. I think it's, it says eat your kimchi. So I'm not, I'm not sure who else would do that. But, um, man, like, why is there like this Canadian couple on the outskirts of Seoul, you know, with all this creativity? It should be coming out of the house of God. We're connected with the creator. But I think it's because there's a lot of religion. There's a lot of false mindsets and there's a lot of just shooting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm shooting too many people. So my commitment to you this year is that I will not shoot. I will not shoot. Oh, anyway, uh, I think well. I'm also. This is why I'm also thankful for the K1 prayer tab. Uh, I personally have not been going very much to the to the house of prayer. We have a house of prayer. Our church has a house of prayer up here, up the street in Etainwon. It's gonna move though into Hongdae real soon. Um, but I'll confess, I haven't been there very much this, this past two years, right? It's not that I don't support it, I don't like it. I helped start it, you know? But, like, I'm a doer. And when I go to that house of prayer, at least, like, on Sundays, we go to Sunday swim, we got something to do. We got to pray for these topics. We knock them out, and then we go to service. And then we knock out more songs, and then we knock out the sermon. You know, like, I'm, I'm about doing something. But when you go to this house of prayer, you just, you just sit there, and then God's like, um, by the way, there's nothing to do here. Just have to learn to be in my presence. You know? Like, even in my marriage, like, like Erin, one of her uh, love languages is just quality time. So I'm like, um, when we spend time, do you want to do something? <laughs> or what do you want to do? And she's like, no, I just want to be, I just want to, I just want, I just, I, we don't have to do anything. I'm like, why? <laughs> like, In my mind, that's what I'm thinking. Like, that sounds like a big waste of time. Can we work on something, do something? Like, you know, do our quiet time, something, you know? It's the hardest thing for me, because according to my personality type. Some of you, you guys are thinking, what's wrong with you? But, um, so I'm really thankful for the prayer tab because you guys, a lot of the sons daughters here, you guys got it. You guys got that this is just about Jesus, it's just about blessing God's heart. And then praying God's heart. Nothing else. There's not a big agenda for the house of prayer. It's just really for God. And and that's what the spirit of the tabernacle of David was all about. David built that tabernacle at the height of Jerusalem, on top of Jerusalem. He did it just so that he can worship God 24-7. He employed thousands of musicians, spent all of this money, just so that they can minister to God day and night. And because they did that, we got the biggest book in the Bible here. The Psalms. The Psalms were all a, a, a result of them coming before the presence of God and not doing anything. Just learning to be inspired in his presence. We have Christological messianic prophecies. And most of them are actually from the Psalms. Isn't that crazy? The most encouraging passages a lot of times are coming from the Psalms. Why? Because this is coming straight, pure from the heart of God, from the presence of God. And so I'm really proud of all you guys who've been really keeping the prayer tab burning. Because I believe that in 2013, the prayer tabernacle is really going to show us what it means to nurture this lifestyle where we learn how to do things, but we also learn how to quiet ourselves and just rest before him and look upon his face. And as you walk away, you realize You got the next craziest inspiration for some crazy new product or idea. Like the next 2,000 uses for the walnut. (laughs) Let's pray. I'm going to close some prayer. Father, I just thank you so much that, God, that this is a house that is full of crazy.